They say love is patient, they say love is kind Marriage on the other hand takes those things plus wine Spousing is a journey, not for the faint of heart Being married to a human is a science and an art Hey Katie! Hey Lauren! How's it going? It's going great! You and me are both, um... We were just, before we started recording, talking about how it's so nice outside, and both of us have, like, a little bit of nature in our backgrounds right now, so listeners, if you hear um, somebody mowing their grass, or if you hear birds tweeting, it's just because Lauren and I are soaking up the spring, Yeah, uh, it, the spring feelings. Instead of that being a drinking game, people should just take, like, a nice, big, deep spring breath when they hear that. <laughs> hmm they should, and also they should go outside, and if they have allergies, they should take Allegra. Ah, uh, yes. A big, deep spring breath might not be peaceful to some people. <laughs> my, my, true. My dark purple car is currently yellow, so. Ah, uh, that's cute. Very JMU. It is very JMU. Yeah, I wiped my nose the other day, and I had pollen on the inside of my nose. And Ew! It, 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 yeah, I know. It was pretty nasty. It was actually like, sorry if that was TMI. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's an owl in my backyard. See, nature is amazing. Nature is amazing. Guys, go outside. A go- Hashtag I opt outside. Agree. Uh-huh. Uh, what are you drinking? I know you are. I am drinking a, uh, it's called Notch 9. It's a double IPA from Smart Mouth Brewery, which is the one, it's in Norfolk. It's very close to us. Okay. Smart Mouth Brewery is such a great name for a brewery. Hold on. Do you hear that? My Alexa is talking. She's trying to be a guest, a guest on the pod. This have you seen us yet? You don't yeah. like scary movies, so no, you won't I don't see like us. Scary. There's a really funny joke about an Alexa in that movie. Listeners who saw us will know what I'm talking about, and <laughs> that's what that reminded me of. Oh. Do you need? Do we need to shut Alexa up? Um, no, she's she's quiet now. Okay, good. We she's, just can't say that word. We can't talk about how bats find each other. Why? Like location? Because that's her name. Alexa. No, that's not her name. How do bats find each other? <laughs> Echo. Echo is her name. Yeah. Echo. I was like, Alexa. I was like, what Alexa are you saying? Okay. Yeah. All right. You what are you drinking? It. I have I haven't I'm not even drinking alcohol tonight. Wait, I just told you what I I'm drinking, but you're not. Oh, that's right. Alcohol? That's right. I'm distracted. I'm not drinking alcohol tonight. I am drinking I am doing Whole30 right now, and so as part of Whole30, you're not supposed to drink alcohol. Now, I know what you're thinking. We're hanging out this weekend, and I know that you're terrified that I'm not going to drink with you. Fear not. I have planned for my one drinking weekend is when oh. you come to visit me. But I am drinking um, out of a wine glass some sugar-free kombucha. Good oh, for the yum. gut. Yes. Very it's really, good for the gut. It's actually really good, and there's only one sugar-free brand that I can get in any store near me up here and it's called aqua vitae and it's flavor it's hibiscus ginger and it's it's actually really really good and i am delicious yeah and it's pink in my glass so it feels like i'm drinking healthy and it's not sweet so it feels like i'm drinking wine Uh, i'm just thinking singing janelle monet also i was not worried katie you and i could definitely hang out and not drink I know, but I was worried because I had planned to take us to a winery before I did Whole30, so... Okay, well... That's what just, I planned around. You, you make it work how, you know... I know, it's spring. How can you and I not go to a winery? We just um. love... We love looking <laughs> bougie. We love an Instagram picture. We do, and remember that time we tried to go on a hike 
but the parking lot was full, so then we ended up at a winery. Yeah, and remember that time we tried to go to the museum, but then we decided we'd rather drink wine instead. (laughs) (laughs) These are the things that we do. This is what I'm saying. I'm like, we can, there's no kombucha breweries around here. You should be able to drink wine at more museums. That's just what I'm saying. I agree. And you should be able to drink wine while you hike. Yeah, I agree. Um, What is the state of your union? Um, Oof. This week, um... Well, I actually kind of wanted to get your opinion on something. I want you to litigate something for me. Or rather, help me to figure out how to explain something. So I have been motivated um, to... Every year around this time, I start, like, taking better care of my curly hair because Mm. it's springtime and that means that soon it will be summertime and in the summer um it gets really humid in my house and we don't have air conditioning so I just have to wear my hair curly otherwise it's going to be a mess and I just have to embrace it so I start taking better care of it in the spring so that by summertime it'll look a little bit better and so one of the things that I'm doing this year I've been for many years (coughs) thinking about doing this but this year I finally decided to do it I bought myself a silk pillowcase have you heard about this that silk pillowcases are yes 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 I bought myself two of them for $8 on Amazon. They're white, so they're, like, they blend in. I only put one on one pillow, and I and I put it behind. We have a lot of decorative pillows on our bed, as, as I would totally have. Um, and so it's not a big deal, but my husband is, like, super triggered by the white pillowcase in general, by the existence of the silk pillowcase for my hair. Um, And the fact that he's triggered by it is triggering for me. So I'm hoping that you can maybe, like, help me to understand what his perspective might be so that I can go into a conversation about the pillowcase. (laughs) I'm going to need you to back it up. I feel like I'm missing the problem. (laughs) I have been missing the problem as well. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he does not like that I made an extra purchase that he does not understand the use for, I'm thinking. That it does not, he does not, he frequently doesn't understand and, like, marvels at all of the products and um, accoutrement that goes into being um, a femme woman. So he, like, I think, thinks that this is a useless thing and therefore is maybe being dismissive of it. Interesting. And so this is my guess, and it's making me extremely impatient, and I am coming to you, my wise sage friend, to build some patience about the white pillowcase. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think anyone's ever been like, well, I was just too patient. That was yes. not. <laughs> so I'm sure that that is the right solution. I'm still just kind of puzzled. <laughs> last night as we're laying in bed, it's extremely puzzling, which is why I am attempting to not get defensive. So last night as we're laying, that's why my suspicion is that it has to do with, I think if I had to guess, this has to do with me spending money in a way that Mark thinks is frivolous. I see. And, and that he like, we were like spooning as we were about to fall asleep last night. And he was like, Ugh. and I was like, what? And he goes, is this white pillowcase really necessary? And I was like, Hmm. I took a beat and I was like, are you upset by the white pillowcase? (laughs) And he was, he was pretty upset by it. But I was like, I honestly can't talk about this right now because I need to go to sleep and this is going to get me worked up. So I'm thinking that it is him. I think that knowing him, that this is about me spending money on something frivolous that he thinks is frivolous, but I don't think it's frivolous. And I also think that it's just $8. And so I... 
Yeah. What do you, what, like, how do you recommend going about a conversation where maybe there's like a values difference yeah. that results in a consequence for Mark? Because what I would say is like, it doesn't affect you what I, what I get. Why do you care? And he would say, it does affect me because it's our money. Yeah. Well, and both of you have a point. I yeah. think in general, it's really important to sort of draw yourself a mind map of when you don't understand your partner, when you don't understand, when something seems like a fight over something insignificant, it's because the fight really isn't about that thing. So mm-hmm. I think you're very wise to like, re- to try to be reframing this in a way that to make sense of it, that he feels like maybe you're spending money frivolously. Um right. And that's a reasonable, and I I recognize that that's a reasonable fear. And knowing Mark, I bet you that that's what it is, because otherwise he doesn't really care. And I think in his mind he thinks, how can a, that pillowcase? He probably I'm thinking that he just thinks that this is like ah, a nothing. I got thing, it. Like witchcraft. I got it. What do you think? I figured it out. I figured it out, girl. I'm like pretty sure of it. Although, you know, I'm also open to being very wrong. And of so. course, I'm talking to you about this instead of him, which is right. You know, of course, that's. <laughs> A point. <laughs> right. True. True, true. Um, okay. Mark is currently in between. So he he was a student that he yeah. just recently got hired. And now, because you guys live in Pennsylvania, the end of the school year is very quickly approaching. And yeah. he's still in the interview process for the next school year. Mark is a realistic man. He is a planner. So right now, he's feeling... he. There was a sweet spot in the middle where he was feeling good. And I guarantee you, anybody that knows Mark knows that he is a phenomenal worker. He's a He's so passionate about what he does. I'm. He is 100% going to get I always say that if I had to hire him... Oh, my gosh. Y'all, I got my dog out here with me because if I did not have my dog out here with me outside, she would be barking and crying inside. And she is acting like a lunatic. So if you hear any strange noises, it's because she's getting herself tangled <laughs> and stuck. And now she's scratching and needs my attention. So hang on for a moment. Welcome to um, this episode of the Millie cast. Yeah, exactly. She needs a lot of attention. Well, yeah, I was saying about Mark that I would, I would always hire him first. Like, even if I didn't think he was so cute, like, he's just such a good worker. Yeah, so I, this is not about the reality, but in Mark's head, Mark wants to do right by himself, and he wants to do right by you, and he's he's starting to get to that place where he's, like, feeling the pressure of the unknown. So oh, you're exactly that's right. causing him to maybe react strongly to things that are not things that need to be reacted strongly to, but but the the motivation, I think, is um, yeah. is is valid. You're exactly right. Lauren, do you think... Why is it that I can see this almost immediately in my patients? Like, as soon as they're talking mm-hmm. about something, I can mm-hmm. see it from an objective, distanced way. But with Mark, I can't see it like that. And instead, I just interpret it in a way that makes me feel annoyed. And instead, you're exactly right. Like, that's exactly what it is. Do you think that I would, like, do you think that I'll ever, I slash we, married people, will ever be able to get to the point where we just, like know what's going on like understand that when he like I just want to understand his motivations instead of putting my shit onto it you know yeah well I think the reason that you don't I okay to answer the last question first I don't think we'll ever get there but I think we will get a lot closer and the second part or the first part that I'm answering secondly is that Wait, you said that. Oh, because Mark isn't your patient. Because we go into our relationships with our partners feeling like they're equals. And so much of what you do with your partner on the on a day-to-day basis is because you guys are in sync. You are your values are the same. You want that you have the same goals, you want the same things. And so when they do something that's outside of that, you expect that out of a person that's your patient or in my case your student. You expect to have to like interpret their behavior. But with your partner, when those 
so much of your behavior is like understandable that when those things that aren't pop up, you are very, it's a, it's almost an affront to the thing that you thought you had going, you know? Yeah, that's true. Although I do wish that it was like when that stuff happens or when there's behaviors from my partner that are emotionally triggering for me, I do wish that I was able to then like the same way that when I have patients that do things, patients do things that are emotionally triggering for me all the time, but I like observe that emotion and then I'm able to respond to the patient like based on reality, not based on my emotion. You know what I mean? Based on like what's actually going on with the patient, not based on whatever the patient is triggering inside of me. And I wish that I could do that with, with Mark. And you know, I wish that I could check the counter transference with my partner. Yeah. But I think, but it's personal. It's a double edged, it, the the depth of your feeling with your partner is so much deeper than the depth of yeah, your feeling with that's true. a patient, and so I think it's one of the, it's one of those double edged swords or like a the but that has a negative connotation. It's one of those things where you benefit from it, and also like it's that John Keats poem about the about the the ode on ode to a nightingale is that the yeah. right word and he you know you can only be as far up as you've ever been down because you have so much care and appreciation and love and adoration for your partner yeah, the, yeah. the opposite qualities are that much more difficult to deal with that's true and also you know what i think like you know how i am always talking about i think that what part of the purpose of marriage is to like hold up a mirror to me like marriage yeah. is about us as a couple and also about us as individuals and so i think therapy is about my patient, my patient, my patient has nothing to do with me. And so when we're having every interaction that Mark and I have, even if it is about his own personal emotions has to do with me inherently, right? Because we're in that type of a relationship. So like, I think I just need to like forgive myself for the fact that like, I get annoyed sometimes instead of like being a graceful, like, neutral observer nice and detached like i am in therapy be (laughs) relentlessly forgiving relentlessly forgiving of ourselves and also of our partners exactly (laughs) for his annoyance but you know what he's going to eat his words because my hair looks great so yeah i was gonna say if you still have one if you have i can solve this problem because if you have one silk pillowcase you're not using i will give you four dollars and that means you will only have spent four dollars and i will take your other silk pillowcase okay yeah you can have the other one (laughs) girl you got a curly girl partner here how about this you can have the other one for free if you make a big deal out of asking for it from me in front of Mark <laughs> and saying, oh, wow, that's really important to have. <laughs> All right. Well, I do really feel that way, but I feel some type of way about being emotionally You're not going to fulfill my agenda. Oh, uh, gosh. You're such, no. a, you're such a good but not fun friend. <laughs> oh, man. That's always my biggest I'm fear. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. You're also my most fun friend. Okay, well, what's okay, the state great. of your union? Thank you for your advice. Uh, no problem. Um, I, I'm i in a really, really good place right now. I feel... Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, I had... I have been feeling a lot of um, angst about the amount of time outside of my contract hours that I spend at my job. And, of course, yesterday I was like, I'm done with it. Like, tomorrow is our last day before spring break. And yesterday I was like, I'm done with it. I'm leaving. Like, our contact hours end at 3. I was like, I'm leaving at 3. And so at 3.05, I walked out the door. And, of course, my principal and my new assistant principal are sitting right there. And I'm so frustrated because I stay hours, like, hours and hours and hours after every day. And I feel like nobody notices. And the one day that I leave on time, I felt, you know, I feel like they were – 
you know, it could have been the way that I was interpreting it. But anyway, it was just a frustrating situation. I And I've been kind of processing that. And today, I stayed after for like an hour and a half, but I was engaged in a productive conversation with educators with a po- with positive attitudes that were all problem solving and it felt so good and I was like I don't mind spending extra time at my job I mean I do only because we're not paid enough but I don't mind spending extra time at my job when it feels so productive and good um yeah and yeah so that was really help helpful um mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know I think that's that's been helpful. It's a beautiful day here. That's also very helpful. Yeah. And we're just getting, yeah, we're getting to the next steps phase of our, like, it's, I don't even want to say it because I still don't really believe it, but Caitlin turned in her last grad school mm-hmm. assignment today and she has had a couple of interviews and like, we're just, I think this might, this phase might actually end. I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Oh, uh, so. way way to hold on both of you you know like i think that we are so not taught how to just hang on when we're going through tough times you know oh gosh that really like fits in with what we're talking about today but we're not really and you guys just like way to hold on to not make any sudden moves to just have faith and it is it's coming and it's gonna feel so good yeah i i I have been very uh, frustrated with the amount of times that people have been like, oh, you're so close, you know, at the at, in reference mm-hmm. to grad school. And I feel a little bashful about that now because I'm like, God, I really, you know, it just, yeah. it was hard, close, you know. Um, Do you guys right, have anything, so, well, I'm sorry, I had a quick question. Um, I'm just really yeah. curious. Do you guys have anything planned for when she's done with school? <laughs> like a, like a, like a uh, celebration dinner or something? Or I guess maybe you shouldn't talk about it on the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a few things in mind. We, so her deadlines are like sort of, like there's a lot of them. So like there's a last assignment today. Her last class is Tuesday. Her last day at the clinic is next week, like Wednesday. Or she'll get mm-hmm. home Thursday morning. Um, and then so we So there's have, not like an official done time? Yeah, until graduation, which is going to be a big, I mean, Admittedly, we're both expecting it to be a big, stressful family. Did I tell you about this? We uh-huh. we planned graduation, and we were like, got it. Caitlin like worked her butt off doing all the research. Found, of course, graduation weekend is all the same for all of the university where she's going to be graduating from, and so it's going to be a huge event. It's in DC, and we had to. Um, she like researched everything, made all the bookings, coordinated with both of our families, and um, I. Was you know the whole time I was like hmm, I, it would have been kind of nice just to go you and me yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah and I didn't say that until like way after the fact and finally we were like oh my god why you know like we <laughs> it mm-hmm. would have been way easier just to go the two of us but I, I think it's sort of like planning a wedding it's like obviously it's full of a ton of details and and trying to navigate through everyone's needs and make sure no one feels left out and all that stuff. But right. at the end of the day, even though it's a huge stressful event, it's <coughs> worth it. And so hopefully we'll feel the same way after graduation. I'm sure. I'm sure that you will. And these are those things that like, it's almost like you have to go through the pain to get the like payoff of it at the end, you know? Yeah. Of, like feeling like I'm so glad that I have the memory of my, I, my entire family at this thing for the rest of my life. And then you don't remember the pain in the ass. Unless it was, like, an extraordinary pain in the ass. You don't really remember the pain in the ass leading up to it. Yeah. 
I think that's really true. And you're going to so be I so freaking proud of her, so. Actually, next week, um, two of our beautiful, wonderful friends, one of them works for a hotel chain, and mm-hmm. she gifted us for Christmas a night at their hotel, and we actually scheduled it for next week. Um, so I think that'll be like a post-school, pre-birthday celebration. I'm very excited about having. Yeah. It, it's in our own. It's in our own town, but it's going to be a really nice night to just kind of get to be out alone and explore and be Ugh, together. That's really, really nice. And you guys yeah. have a nice town, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, <coughs> speaking of um, making it through hard times, today we are talking about weathering the storm. So um, what do we mean by that, Lauren? Yeah, I think you and I both went through storms in our in our marriages recently. Not inside the marriages, but individuals uh, in their individual storms yes while being married <laughs> yeah so it got us really thinking about how do you go about best supporting your partner through a storm and yeah. i will admittedly say neither of these storms were like hyper level crisis like there are storms that you right. will go through in life that you are we going to be permanently changed right. and well um, can i give an example of some of the storms that we were like thinking about <laughs> yes oh but oh. first, you gotta drink your kombucha. Yep, first, we gotta get our probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad I'm wearing headphones, otherwise, Millie would be losing it right now. <laughs> um, gosh, our dogs are yippy. Um, we I know, were right? thinking, although some of the information that I have compiled, just based on, like, I put together some of this stuff based on um, what you would maybe work on in therapy during something like this. But um, for instance, I had a really awful situation at a previous job where I was being sexually harassed, and it was, like, um, a really long, drawn-out, confusing, scary, um, humiliating experience, and that was a personal crisis for me, and there was a lot that um, I needed from Mark, and there was a lot that he, like had never navigated before with me um and then similarly mark has had um situations where he hasn't gotten jobs that he was expecting and it was um, that he was expecting to get and it was you know really upsetting at the time or he's lost a family member and um knowing how to be steady for your partner during times where they feel i mean i just feel like everything comes back to attachment now because it's in my mind but being steady for your partner when they feel scared lonely or, um, you know, tired or lost is a skill, you know? It's not something that just comes naturally to us, even if we were in a family where we were really deeply cared for. Because caring for our partner doesn't look like caring for us always. (laughs) Yes, that's very... Okay, so that was a really good way to phrase the situations that we're looking at. And when I was doing the research on this, the first hit that came up in my search was from Focus on the Family. Oh my so, god, there was nothing that was not super sketchy out there. Uh, uh, it was all like Focus on the Family or some like what to do when you're having a like what to do when your husband hits you. Pray harder. Like, oh, oh my god. gosh. Oh I know. God. Okay, well, I didn't I skipped that bullshit. I and know. I, uh yeah, the, the literally the hit I found was uh, how to support your husband through a work crisis. As if your husband is the only one who could have a work crisis. Well, I've never that. had a job in my whole life, Lauren. God damn. I literally <laughs> just couldn't. Skipped right over that and got to the inclusive shit. And I did find some things that I think are really helpful. Mm-hmm. And they're they're the kind of helpful in which when you hear them, you're like, well, of course. But then actually, like, the deeper, I don't know. So you ever, <laughs> like you one of those things, things where you and I are always like, oh, wait, 
that's actually helpful. Who knew, like, taking a deep breath helps. (laughs) Right. If you put vegetables in your body and move it around, you feel better. (laughs) You you feel better. If you brush your teeth, you don't get cavities. Weird. (laughs) I need to see see some studies on that. I don't don't have any studies myself. I'm a cavity type of a gal. (laughs) Leaning in. I lean into the cavity. So, yeah, yeah. anyway. (laughs) Okay. So the first section of this comes from the Talkspace blog. And if you're not familiar with Talkspace, it's an online platform for therapy. Mm-hmm. And so they, you can access your therapist through text or f- I think they, I don't know, you could you can talk to somebody um, yeah. wherever you are, whenever you need it. Right. Um, for my, my feeling is that if Talkspace had like an honest uh, tagline, it would be Talkspace better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I I am absolutely not against chalk space because I am a huge fan of accessibility, but you should know that you're probably not going to get really great work done in talk space. Um, so anyway, just yeah. that's just my caveat. Yeah, no, I you might though. If you've gotten really good work done in Talkspace, please tell us so that I can actually. Like, I do feel know that. somebody that did get really that really made a lot of progress in Talkspace. That's and actually then, really good. Yeah. So you know what? Whatever, it, better than nothing. Exactly. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So this came, and I I liked this because all of the advice in here comes from LCSWs, and you know how that, I feel about that. Uh, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, so this is from the blog, their blog, and it's called "When Your Partner Is Stressed." So the first thing they tell you to do is to listen without judgment and validate their feelings. Uh, Dr. Rachel Rachel O'Neill, who is a PhD, licensed mm-hmm. professional clinical counselor from Ohio, mm-hmm. hey Midwest, mm-hmm. uh, tells you to validate their concerns and listen without problem solving. Even mm-hmm. though it can be tempting to launch in a fix-it mode, sometimes individuals just need a place to vent their stress. Don't try yes. to fix things for them or control how they, re- they respond to the stress. Allow the, them to feel safe with you and think of yourself as a port in their storm. Ooh, okay. A port in their storm as opposed to a the manager, a fixer. Moses who will part the Red Seas yes. at the end of the storm. Yeah, and I think a lot of us um, have an urge to do that because we – I was just talking about this. We have a, a patient right now who is really going through something tough, and, and her husband – keeps telling her it's just time to move on it's just time to move on and she is obviously that's a really hard thing to hear right it's just hard you just need to move on um Mm -hmm. and I was saying in my supervision group this morning that I my guess is that he's saying that to her because he wants he wants her to feel better and he just he is he doesn't want to rush her he's just sad that she's not feeling good so I think that's like and Mark does that that was my guess is because Mark does that, right? When you were, when we're rushing our partner through a bad feeling during a bad situation, um, especially if we can see it, if we're not caught up in that bad feeling. In other words, if it doesn't affect us, then it can be really easy to rush them through it because we want them to feel better. But actually, that really yeah. does not help at all. Right, and that's a it's so really just letting them work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not something that that's something you should not do. Like you can't you can't do that. And something that, but other things that you might be able to do are things like um, small gestures to make your partner feel like their life is maybe a little that much easier. So creating a favorite meal or making sure that you're gonna do an activity that they love at the end of the day, um, letting them know that you see them and you're supporting them even if they're not ready to talk about 
you know, directly discuss what they're stressed about. Yes, I know that feeling so well. So the reason that we're talking about this topic in particular is because I had a bit, a wee bit of a storm that I'm still kind of getting the aftershocks of right now um, last week. And one of the things that was really helpful with Mark is that when I, I texted him as soon as I got this like bad piece of news and he immediately like um, knew on, it was on a Thursday and I'm, I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before that do you know what Thursday is, Lauren? Mm-hmm. Every Thursday guys is guys night. Yeah. And so there's no, we never cancel guys night. Notoriously so, Mark once left me at the emergency room when I was having an allergy attack because <laughs> it was guys night. Um, and oh so God. when he knew that I had gotten this really bad news last week, the first thing that he said when he walked in the door was, I'm staying home tonight. And I knew that from him... What I really, really wanted was somebody to sit down and, like, get angry with me. And I know I have to, in a crisis, what you want the most might not be what your partner can give you. Mm-hmm. But he gave me, ever like, the most that he the most that he could give me, he gave me on Thursday. Does that make sense? And and you yes. have to pay attention yeah. to it and notice it to feel that gratitude for it. Right. But Absolutely. I think the salient point there is that the way that your partner... The, their capacity to support you during your crisis might not be the thing that you want the most, but it might be just the thing that you're going to get, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that kind of appreciation or that kind of seeing that the way that they're, that they're giving you their all, even if it doesn't feel like what exactly what you want or what you need, right. that, that gratitude is actually going to yeah. increase the way that feels to you. You know, it occurs to me that I talked so much crap on love languages during our love language episode, or I was, I, maybe I didn't, but I was definitely skeptical of them. But this occurs to me that it's a really, like, this is a good time to use the love language, right? And to make, to pay attention to it, that I knew that Mark was speaking my love language because of the quality, he was showing me that he was going to give me some quality time, right? And his is acts of service. And so, like, that might be what comes naturally to him, but he was trying to use my love language to show me that, you know, he wanted to spend some time with me. So I think that that's just, that's a really good opportunity to use that. What else did this lady say? Okay, so there's there's a couple of other great things here. Um, Well, great. Eh, Obvious, but notable so <laughs> identifying the talking sign- about yeah identifying signs of stress in your partner is something that you can learn to do and just uh she gives a couple of suggestions if you notice their changing changes in eating or sleeping habits recurrent headaches or stomach aches inability to concentrate or complete task tasks um so those are the things that you can you can see and if you start getting frustrated caitlin and i have been on a really um good role with our uh, health in general we've been working out a lot we've been eating well and then she went through a storm kind of recently and this it was a storm of grad school (laughs) so um so that so all of her time was then taken up with studying and not the same kinds of this not the same attention to um I think like you know she was like we had been only eating vegetables and good things and like yeah and And it's also hard to you want to eat comfort food when you're doing something stressful you know right and and if I and she it has grown so much in self-awareness and she told me before we started she started this she was like listen the next two weeks my only priority is studying and and that's just what it's going to be and we just need to make everything else like 
kind of take a second, uh, take a step back. And I wanted, every bone in my body wanted to be like, well, you know, you're actually going to be more focused if we continue to work out and eat healthy and you'll feel better, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? That's not mine. Like, I can't, that's not mine for me to, that's, you know, I can't make that decision for her. And what she needed to do to get through the stress is really up to her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's a really, really hard thing to learn that, that just because we're right about something doesn't mean it's helpful. Exactly. (laughs) Which is hard when you want to be right. Right. But yeah, and, and it's also hard when you are objectively right. Like, it used to be like, oh my god, when I was on my period in high school, my mom would say, you know what would help? Exercise. And I would literally be like, you know what would help? Me, like, bashing your head through a window. Because yes, I was like, a, right. a teenage girl who was, like, hopped up on hormones, and I was, like, angry at my mom all the time. And I was like, the last thing I need to hear is exercise. But you know what? Exercise helps when you're on your period, guys. Yeah. <laughs> god damn it, She's Ryan. objectively right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. still, not helpful at the time. <laughs> well, and so true. But this also reminds me of what you and I were talking about with the um, the the bear trap, the dog uh-huh. and the bear trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I saw that change, if I see a change in my partner, and I think think to myself, she's being irresponsible, or she's not, you know, she's just decided that she, you know, it, it, she's being lazy, or I see it as that, I am not going to be compassionate toward or loving towards towards her in that moment. But if I can think about it as a sign of stress. Then that shifts, like immediately shifts your, oh, that person is stressed. Let me, how how might I go about easing that stress? Mm. How can I go about supporting her through this, you know, in whatever small way that I can? And so I yeah. think just understanding that those things are happening because of, um, you know, just that per, that your partner's emotional state. There's right, right, right. Stress. Understand that it's a, that it's like um that it's a, a symptom, not a character issue. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's I think that's. Again, it's obvious, but yeah. important. Right. Well, what other tips does she have? I've got some of my own, and I'm interested yeah. in like, how she's tracking. All right. I actually want your opinion on this before, because I put it all in red, because I think it's gendered research, mm-hmm. and I, you know how I feel about that. So, mm-hmm. she says, recognize men and women experience stress differently. The differences of men and women of how they handle stress are generalized, of course, but it is important to recognize that these differences might be a factor for you or your spouse and also why you may feel confused about the best way to help. Hmm. So I can't really speak well on a marriage level. So what I will say is that I do believe that However, like the, the the way that men and women are like culturally conditioned, mm-hmm. one way whether it's nature or nurture, I don't actually feel like nature or nurture is a very interesting question, but I do believe that there are differences in how men and women actually I, I actually do think that that's true. That like generally speaking, I think that the men in my life when they're under stress tend to really put pressure on themselves to be better and they go really inward and if they are beating themselves up or like feeling bad about themselves it's a lot of it comes out in like self-punishment and working harder and trying harder um and being more silent and more stoic I, I mean this is just in the men that I know and this might be the stereotype of it and I think that for me at least and the female friends that I have under stress we tend to reach out a little bit more and like um, try to connect with others maybe a little bit more. And in my in my marriage, and I don't know if, if that's the stereotype that they're talking about here, um, but that's what I see in the differences between the men in my life and the women in my life. And also, um, 
And I'm trying to think, even across sexuality divides, even, like, the men that I know who are, like, whose sexuality is not heterosexual and they're Mm. not married to women or dating women, um, I see similar patterns with them, so I don't know. But for me, at least, I definitely know that when I'm stressed, I have to reach out for connection. And when Mark is stressed, he goes really inward. And I just also don't know if that's an extrovert-introvert thing. What do you think? Right, and, yeah, Um, I think a lot of what you described about the men in your life also, also describes my wife. And I think I really have a... Mm. I, I only really know really two types of men. <laughs> like, I don't really know very many men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think in general, our culture does tend to tolerate more anger produced yeah. from stress in men than it does in women because women are immediately labeled as hysterical and men are allowed to be babies <laughs> yeah. and be like frustrated and angry and that's just seen as like powerful I think that's my perception I think and my own like the men in my own life I think that when they get stressed I tend to see anger because I think that that's to me it seems like a socialized thing um the inward outward thing seems more like a personality trait to yeah me because that's maybe that's true I well, know. I was there's something a little bit like so there's when I, if I think of two different ways to handle stress like, use it as fuel, like, get work harder, do harder, be better, like, get more intense versus, like, take care of yourself, rest, relax. One of those feels like it's been co-opted by um, capitalism in a masculine way, and one of those feels like it's been co-opted by capitalism in a feminine way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I do. And yeah. so because of – I think that that has trickled into culture. Yeah. Oh, like, and which has then trickled into the men that I know. Like – definitely for the men in my life they see stress as a sign that they should do better be better work harder and for the women in my life I think a lot of them see stress as a sign that they're not enough that they are Mm -hmm. not going to cut it you know but I don't know I I, that's just and again that's just anecdotal because I working with so many different types of men and women I can tell you that there is really not at all like a trackable gender preference when people tell me their innermost workings there's nothing necessarily gendered about the innermost workings of an individual. Yeah, I I would really wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think even situationally, like, you might respond to something situationally differently than you would. Because I I am an incredibly social, incredibly verbal person, but when I'm, if I'm like low to medium stressed, I want to talk about it. When I'm actually really stressed, I don't want to talk about it. I, I need to like process it inwardly. And so to me, it just feels... I don't know, I guess a little reductive to be like, oh, this is because men. But you're right, right. I think about the well, nature and nurture debate the, yeah. be, being not that interesting. Um, yeah. I think that's one of those really important things uh, to just to n- take note of in terms of how people respond to things. Eh, whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> if, right. You know, regardless of why, how they're, why they're re- reacting that way, it's still important that you respond in whatever. Right. Well, I will say, honestly, I think that if we're talking about gender differences in marriage when it comes to crises or, like, communication through a crisis, I think that because of my gender politics and because I actually have a set of gender politics, I actually end up being more sexist in my marriage than my husband because he he is somebody who and – and I think that Mark is unique – in this as a, as a cis hetero you know man I think he's unique in this that he has never thought about our gender differences really and so because of that he just doesn't really he really does not have expectations of me like as a in quotes as a woman you know what I mean yeah. mm-hmm. um, whereas for me 
every time he struggles with communication, it's really easy for me to be like, oh, man. Right? Yeah. Like, men ah, are like this. interesting. Yeah. And, like, I really have to work on. And then sometimes I will say, I reject the idea that that's related to your gender. I'm asking you to do better. Uh, like with communication or something like this has nothing like the way that you're talking to me or this this topic the fact that I'm interested in talking about this thing and you're interested in talking about this thing has nothing to do with our genders I'm asking both of us to like step up here and I think the more I'm married to him the more I actually think that's incorrect um so I don't know I have to there's a lot that I think and and I don't know if it's inherent but there's a lot a lot of our differences in how we handle things between me and Mark comes down to the fact that he's a man and I'm a woman, I think. But I don't, I can't put my finger on what. It's a long way around of answering And I question. will say that I think it's important to note that when I talk to young kids, when they're upset, there is no difference. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a young boy is willing, is as willing to talk to me about why he's mad as a young girl is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's not until they get that socialized out of them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like... Every single, and I don't know what it's like to be a young boy, but every single time I ran a batterer's intervention group, I would say, guys, what happens when you're a little boy and you fall down and skin your knees? What do you hear? And then, it, like, in unison, everybody says, don't be a girl. Suck up. Yeah, yeah right. suck it up. Don't cry. Um, they all heard this when they were a child. So that's a time of stress, right? And mm-hmm. they're told that their natural reaction to the stress is not appropriate. Whereas when girls have a natural reaction to stress, they're met with community and connection, right? And so I, I really... It is gendered, but I think that to say that it's bullshit is missing some really some real realities of what men and women go through when they're stressed as children, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. there's also exceptions to every rule, and then there's also temperament differences. So, I don't know. Yeah. The answer is it's all complex, and be married it to the person you're married com- to. Exactly. <laughs> it is a complex question. And I, I guess what I would hope, in terms of marriage and gender differences, I would hope that inside your marriage, whatever image you feel societally compelled to portray, I think that inside your marriage, there should, no matter what kind of whatever gender role you ascribe to, in the relationship – both partners, there. I don't think that should be, you know. I think anytime we react, react to our partner, beca- and then and and label it as this is a gender difference, we're cutting ourselves short, you know. And I guess I guess I'm, of course I'm saying that as a very unqualified person because I'm not in a relationship. With yeah, and I I'm gender. really curious. As soon as I have a baby, I'm really curious for us to have this conversation again and see. I was going to say as soon as we have babies, but I guess it would still be the same thing for you. Um, but as soon as I have a baby, I'm interested to see if there's any differences that come about because I'm a woman and he's a man, you know? I'm interested In to see In terms of if- conflict resolution or emotional, like the way that you're able to express yourselves emotionally? Maybe. I guess. Yeah. Well, yes. I guess I maybe in the way that we're able to express... Well, you know, I actually have no idea because I think for Mark, he actually, I can almost predict that as soon as we bring another child, our child into another child, as soon, <laughs> in addition to Millie, um, yeah. into our little family, I know that he's actually going to deepen emotionally, like significantly. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't really know. I'm trying to talk myself into us being different, but I really don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's what else does t- this lady say? One. Um, the, the last two little points that she makes are kind of one and the same. And they're, I think the most important points that we can make. And I will continue to harp on them as we go through Mm -hmm. this. Making self-care a priority so that you can be strong for your partner and making sure that you, that you seek outside help when stress 
not not even when stress becomes unmanageable. Just seek outside help, period. Just yep. because that is, I don't know, I was just having a conversation with a close friend and we were talking about some stress that she was bringing home from work. She was bringing it home to her partner and she was like, my partner can't really deal with it. I can tell that they're tired of it. And I was like, great. <laughs> what does yeah. this tell you? Because your partner is not your therapist and you need to... Yeah. You need to understand that because the partner, your partner, I don't think, your partner can't be both. They can't. So that's, yeah, that's real hard. (laughs) You have to, you have to take care, you have to set boundaries and make self-care a priority. And that doesn't just mean face masks and bubble baths. This means making sure that you, yeah, real self-care. You need to be on the bank of that river. Unsexy self-care. Unsexy being like, hey, I, I need to, we need to stop this conversation or I need to like take some time for myself because you, you can't be serving from an empty bowl. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Exactly. So that's one of those well, obvious, and the other thing, but important things. Right. And I just want to kind of underscore that your partner can't be your therapist and also you can't be your partner's therapist. And so I, that's where I have to struggle. Like I really, obviously I struggle with that, but like when you feel like you want, refrain from giving advice. When you feel like you want to give advice, mm-hmm. ask them if they want it. Okay, first. that's a perfect segue. So the Gottman Institute has also has a blog, and they have a, a bunch of therapists on the blog that, that discuss whatever topic, and they, they usually use some kind of personal anecdote to get the story started. So this comes from the Gottman blog. It's called How My Wedding Crisis Strengthened My Marriage. And the story that they tell at the beginning is that this woman – uh, and her husband got married, and they were so happy. And a few weeks later, they got a call from the photographer, and basically all of their wedding photos were lost. The oh wedding, the, the card, <gasps> the um, memory card was corrupted. And so we got, like, a couple photos out, but the bulk of their wedding photos were lost. What and could so, you do other than just laugh and be like, God sent me this lesson for a reason? <laughs> I know. And then and then cry forever. Oh, um, my God. I, I know. I has a photo. Okay. That's tragic. Yes. Yes, I know. Okay, so what this person says is that um, the things that they learned through this, when your partner comes to you with a frustration, concern, or is just upset, stop and listen, be interested, and say, you seem upset, what's going on? Then you need to paraphrase what they say, so what I, and you know, do the, do the so what I'm hearing you say is, and repeat back your understanding. And this mm-hmm. is the most important part, check for accuracy and let them clarify. Because that doesn't mean anything bad about you. It just means, like, you're going to better understand your partner. Yes. And you know what? So I – a lot of people have a lot of assumptions about therapists. And one of the assumptions is that therapists – well, I I hope – I hate to burst any bubbles here. But really, we're just kind of – a good therapist is just kind of testing hypotheses to get it right. They're not, they do not have a crystal ball. They do not know for sure what's happening with you. And one of the coolest things about my patients where I'm working now is that I'll say, is, did you feel like this? And then they'll say, uh-uh, no, it wasn't like that. It was like this. And it's really showed me how many times what I would assume they would be thinking or feeling in that situation, they are not thinking and feeling that thing. And so and it's delightful for me because I'm I'm always like, oh, wow, like, I guessed wrong, and I'm so glad that I asked because it helps me understand you more. And yeah. do it with your partner. Like, see see what they actually, like, It's did you feel like this? No, I felt more like this. Like, Yeah, Katie, yeah. you and I have done that. Even on this podcast and in our, our personal relationship, we have been like, oh, yeah, you know how people feel about X. And mm-hmm. then what, the other person would be like, oh, you th- – 
can you clarify? Or like, do you mean this? And we're like, no, actually, I meant the opposite. It's right. amazing. Like, and it seems it comes. It's a part of active listening is being able to active listening is. Tell me if this is incorrect, Lauren. Active listening is listening for comprehension and understanding, right? And so, just one of the things that sometimes um, Mark will do when he is like not doing, like not on on his game is I will say like it looks it seems like you're not listening to me and he'll say no I am listening to you and then he'll repeat back to me just verbatim what I just said and I'm like no you did a really good job like transcribing what I just said yeah but the way that you show that you're listening for comprehension is by asking those clarifying questions just to make sure right oh god that's so true yeah man Mm. listening is hard why don't they teach this stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we try <laughs> we're doing it you oh well you I mean yeah. I'm not blaming you I was just talking to my patients about how it's something about our culture that we put we put the mind on such a pedestal that we put kids in school from you know seven to 18 well I don't know how old they are when they start school and the teachers do their darn hopefully best <laughs> yeah um hopefully very young um teachers do their darned best to incorporate character and behavior and emotion lessons in in all of that but that's not what they're that's not what they're really incentivized to do so much and Mm -hmm. so like it just shows if we that's how much we value the mind if we valued emotions and relationships just as much what if we put people in 18 years of emotion relationship school yeah right what if we did that yeah i know oh my god there would be no more my hope is that is where we're going. Me too. That, I truly hope that. Yeah. Um, I really hope my my prayer is that public schools and teachers like you really keep advocating for that and that we keep having, we move in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> of, well, while we're on the subject, I was having a teachery thought where you're talking about how yeah. be, being surprised by people's thought processes. Mm-hmm. Um, as a younger teacher, I often experienced boredom when mm-hmm. I would ask the you know there's only so way, so many ways that a person a child can explain how they added a number mm-hmm. um and as I've become more skilled as a teacher it has become more fascinating to me um there's a whole system of of mathematics called number talks in which kids do that they just add numbers and you have one addition problem on the board and you guys talk about how they add it is amazing to see the diversity of thought with wow. 30 kids adding the same like the way that they like oh I took this number and put it here I made this group of 10 or I made this group of 15 or I I knew that I could add two here and then round up and then take a two away later and it's amazing to see what each child's individual brain does on a on a problem to problem basis and watch the way that compares to and they often I would try to sit there the night before and come up with all the different ways they could add it and be like okay they could do this that and the other Every single time they would come up with at least one or two ways I hadn't thought of. Mm. And I have a fully frontal, I have a fully formed frontal lobe. (laughs) That is amazing. You know, and it's the same thing with emotional complexity too, that like, you know, I think if we're really paying attention to try to not only understand how people are thinking, but also how they're feeling in a complex way and not just assuming, oh, this happened, that's how they feel. We see this all the time with like trauma victims who police officers are like, oh, they didn't look traumatized. So Mm -hmm. we know that we need to be better at paying attention to the clues that somebody about how somebody is thinking and feeling. Right. And like Mm -hmm. part of that is, 
asking clarifying questions. But also think about how you feel when somebody asks you clarifying questions when you're telling them about a stressful thing. It makes you think that they're paying attention, that they're interested. Mm-hmm. Right. And that even just knowing someone cares about my problem is enough, I think. Well, maybe not always enough, depending on what the crisis is, but it is a huge step in the right direction. I agree. Yeah. Okay. The last part of this little section of this person's blog says, don't be a problem solver, which we've talked about before, but I think that this person does a better job of framing this in the way that's a little more applicable because as we discussed with our our graduation (laughs) uh, weekend uh, fiasco, there are times when your partner may really want your input. And so you should not go into that situation being a problem solver. You need to let go of your agenda. And if you have a potential solution or feedback, you have to check in with your partner to see if they're in a place to hear it. And you might use words like, I've got a couple of ideas that may help with the situation. Do you want to hear them? Mm-hmm. And remember, if they say no, that's not personal. That just yeah. means that that's not where they are. Yep. And that's not what they need. And exactly. that's that's exactly right. I am so glad that they said that. I wrote up a couple of, like, tips off the top of my mind earlier, and I just want to rattle them off really quickly. But I'm going to start do. with... One that ties right into that, which is striking while the iron is cold with feedback. So, like, if your partner is going through a crisis, so for me at least, um, last week was one big shit show, and it wasn't, I would not say the word crisis, but it was a storm, and it was like a, I don't know how to say, it was like a super storm with a bunch of teeny tiny little tornadoes that just was a very annoying week. And um, I... If Mark had advice for me, there were moments where I was in the middle of it and crying and needed my hand held. And then there were moments of it where I was like taking a deep breath and having a little bit more perspective and feeling a little bit more in control. Those are the better times to offer feedback. Strike while the iron is cold. I love that. Yeah. Um, so here's my um, my like little tips that I came up with. The first is to plan ahead as much as possible and to recognize that storms are coming in your marriage. They, they're they're just coming. Um, know the types of things that will cause storms. Like, um, already, I know that we have some family members that are ill. I know that that will be a storm when that comes. And I'm already paying attention to what are the types of things that if, if a family member of Mark's passed away, a close family member, what are some of the things that Mark would need from me? Because I know that's coming sometime soon. So planning ahead as much as it's as you're possible, as, it, as it's possibly, um, as it's possible for you to do that. So if you also, again, if your partner's quitting work, whatever. Um, the other thing that I saw, and I saw this on a blog, I'm so sorry, I do not have the like credit for this because I saw it for a long time ago, but I saw this on a blog about parents who were going through the loss of a child. So um, what to do in a couple when um, you've lost a child together but you're staying married. And one of the tips is to um, give both couples or both people in the couple full, like, full permission to fall apart and to be a mess, but to alternate who is falling apart and to, like, do the best you can to, like, get on a rhythm where when one of you is compartmentalizing, the other one of you is falling apart. And when the other one of you is compartmentalizing, the other is falling apart so that you can kind of always be there to support each other. But just knowing that like both of you will have your time and your permission and that it's just a safe place to fall apart together. um, I thought that was such a, such good advice to just consciously allow the crisis, but to alternate 
and and you can I think you can do this like you can just make yeah I think and oftentimes it happens naturally when Caitlin starts freaking out about and knowing that's okay I want to acknowledge the gravity of the fact that I've not lost a child neither neither of us have lost children that is something that I I have so much we do not know anything about that yeah I have no I, I have no no words yeah. Um, but I do think that in times of stress or crisis or hurt or upset, in general, we do tend to flow in that pattern. When Caitlin is freaking out about something, it feels less like less need. It, I often feel I react or feel upset about something because I think I'm the only one doing it because mm-hmm. I feel like all the stress is on me. But if yeah. I know that my partner is doing it, then that feels like, okay, they're taking care of that. I can step into to soothing role. You know? Yeah, and also knowing that both of you have permission to be weak, and like that is so important Absolutely. because oftentimes, in the wake of a huge crisis like that, one partner becomes the strong partner and one partner becomes the weak partner. Or sometimes what happens is that a child becomes the strong person mm-hmm. and the parents mm-hmm. become the weak people. Um, but knowing that everyone has permission to not be weak but feel the pain of loss <laughs> um, is just just being. Bringing that natural rhythm to a conscious place, I think, is healthy, you know, to a conscious and intentional place. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing is knowing how to serve your partner best when they're going through something. So, again, knowing what your partner needs, knowing their love language, um, remembering that crises are an opportunity to deepen attachment. So treating it as the important thing that it is. When your partner is suffering, it is... I think everybody knows this, but it is important. It is so important. This is how you turn towards your partner when they're suffering is what makes up your marriage in a lot of ways. You know, Um, if you do not turn towards your partner, if you or heaven forbid, you turn away from your partner when they're suffering um, that that will um, I feel confident in saying that that will come back to bite you. one of the other things that yeah. I said, and this ties into that too, and that's to remember that a crisis, a crisis to your partner might not be a crisis to you, but that doesn't mean that you get to turn away from them. Um, that if it's not a big deal to you or you don't understand why something is a big deal to you, that you still really have to um, turn towards them, right? I cannot tell you how yeah. many times I have had to talk it, talk myself into really caring about a sporting event because it is often a really big deal to my partner yeah and that's really, hard <laughs> I'm, I'm touching my nose right now which is something Katie I can't and I see have, you <laughs> I know but Katie and I have developed this because we often find ourselves immersed in very uh dynamic exciting conversations and we'll have something to contribute while the other person is uh still talking and so yeah. we like touch our noses and yep. that says I have something to say but I don't want to interrupt you and I but I really want to make a connection to this mm-hmm. oh go ahead yeah interrupt oh. I'm finished yeah I want to are you to okay say. yeah okay well let me jump into this a little bit by saying um one of the, the shortcomings and I am going to talk about my myself specifically here in the hopes that other people are like me and perhaps will benefit from this um one of the patterns that we find in our relationship okay Caitlin will be experiencing a hurt and she will not always know or be ready to communicate that hurt or whatever stressor is going on in her life. Well, I interpret that as me, that I I am the reason that she is hurt or upset. And then that makes me immediately defensive. And that is such a toxic cycle um, in terms of just being able to resolve that because all Caitlin or, or 
what Caitlin in when when the iron is cold, what Caitlin tells me that she needs is um, she needs me to turn in and like she's a physical touch person. She needs me to hold her to mm-hmm. be there for her and to show her extra love and affection. But yeah. in those times, because she hasn't communicated to me what's wrong, I always interpret it as my fault and immediately and immediately become defensive and try to figure out ways how it isn't my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I was looking into defensiveness, and I found this incredible interview with both doctors. So John Gottman is married to Julie Gottman, and both of them are PhDs, and they are incredible. Katie and I talk about them all the time, but unfortunately, we don't talk as much about Julie because John's name is on most of the research. He's the researcher, and she's the clinician. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why his name's on. That's why it's, <laughs> yes. his name's on the research part. Um, okay, so they interviewed, I don't know who did the interview, but uh, the most of this comes from both of them when asked about how partners should talk what should think about defend defensiveness and its antidote taking responsibility which is the antidote to defensiveness yeah. uh, john gottman says down regulating one's own defensiveness is the work in making relationships work it's mm-hmm. always the challenge so making relationships work is one of their uh books right isn't that a book yeah 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 it's i all- love that because i was just thinking and my car today I remember exactly what I was doing when I was thinking this that they everybody says that marriage takes work but like what the hell does that mean what is the work in marriage and that's exactly what it is it's downgrading the defensiveness yeah it's that's what takes work it is such a challenge it's yeah and and he goes on to say it's always the challenge it's important to note that people in all unhappy relationships have left a partner in pain and just gone on with life Instead, couples who make relationships work, and this is where I was touching my nose, because people who make relationships work adapt the motto that if you're hurting, baby, the world stops, and I listen, and I'm with you. Mm, I love that. I do, too. Uh, I love that. I love that. I love that. I don't care if it's because of the $4 silk pillowcase. I'm saying $4 because I'm going to buy the other one from you. The $4 silk pillowcase or the Phillies game. Yeah. That I don't understand. Yeah. I'm here and I'm hurting and I'm with you. Yes. Do you remember how much trouble I had wrapping my head around when I wanted to go see our friend's twins mm-hmm. after they yeah. were born and yes. Mark had yes. some type of a sporting event? And you talked me into understanding. I was like, I... Wow. I, that's I, wise of me. You did. I really... I called you and I was like, I really need to forgive him for this and like be okay with this because this is really important to me and this other thing he's saying is just as important to him and I don't get it at all so you need to help me and you helped me wrap my mind around how football could possibly be so important for him you were like Katie this is a tall order for me but I <laughs> it really you is. understand and you know what damn I must really love your husband you are every <laughs> this is why I I told well to be fair I did tell all of my bridesmaids before I got married that your job knowing me and knowing my tendency to bolt from things that are hard knowing that I have divorce that runs in my family system and divorce is like a virus or divorce is genetic. You can inherit it if you're not careful with it. And that is definitely like something I'm afraid of. And so I told all of my bridesmaids, you have to be on team Mark. Every time I'm in an issue with Mark, you take his side always, always. unless it's a tr- unless it's an issue because Mark is very reasonable. That's what and I, I do want from you. That's also how I go into most things because also that's how my mom goes into everything. Yes, you can never just complain to my mom. My mom's yeah. always going to be like, "Well, this person's pers- point of view is this." Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and then I just okay. have one more thing that I want to say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which the 
Uh, this is a really important thing, and that's to rely on your community, knowing that, and this ties back into what you were saying, your partner is not your therapist, but also, and sometimes I know that a lot of people say, oh, my partner is my best friend, and that's true, and I'm glad, and I'm really glad that you guys have that type of a friendship in addition to your romantic relationship, but your partner is also not your girlfriend, and your partner is also mm-hmm. not your guy friends, if you're mm-hmm. one of our male listeners who needs, you know, your guy friends, your partner isn't your mom, your partner, you need to rely on your community in order to take some of that to to take some of that pressure off of your partner and also um and your partner supporting you we have in a group in our group of friends we had um one of we have a very big group of friends and it's all the guys that were best friends in high school and then they're yeah and (laughs) well it's a big group yeah it is that is a think you just put some gratitude right in my face. I felt, I did not feel any gratitude. And that is a humble brag. I do have a really big group of friends. That's a nice Mm -hmm. thing. Thank you, Lauren, for putting that gratitude in my face. Well, we do have a big group of friends up here. And one of our guy friends, unfortunately, lost his father last summer really unexpectedly. And his Mm -hmm. wife really showed us, this is like the first time something really big like this has happened in our group of friends. And she really showed me, at least, um, shout out to Sam of Sam Listens. She really showed me the, like, what it means to be gr- grace to your partner during that. Mm-hmm. And she was so steady and solid. And um, she moved in with his mom to care for her. And, like, you know, she's just um, relying on that or her being so solid for him was beautiful. And also, I know that when the guys, his friends would come and pick him up and bring him out or make sure to watch the foot, the first football game of the season with him, you know, because he and his dad always watch football, whatever, it takes that pressure off of her too. You are not isolated during a crisis. It's not only your, it does, it's not just between you and your partner. It's also between you and your community. So rely on them. Mm. That's that's I big advice that. there because it's good yeah. for you and it's good for your partner. Ugh, I love that so much. Yeah. On that note, you're my community, which is whole, the whole reason we do this damn podcast is because we can't we have to have community for our marriage. Yeah. You know, so true. Okay, I do have one more thing that I think okay, is really yeah. important on def- defensiveness. Uh, Dr. Julie Gottman adds the following: So self care includes providing ourselves with opportunities to grow. When we take responsibility for words or actions that have caused distress, we are opening the door to changes that we need to make in order to be our best selves. Defensiveness keeps the door slammed shut. Defensiveness is another way of saying I'm perfect as I am and therefore I don't need to grow or change in any way. Mm. This attitude leads to personal stagnation. It also leads to loneliness as most others don't consider themselves to be perfect and therefore can't relate to you or connect with you. When we take responsibility, there is an audible sigh from those around us, as if they are saying, oh, good, it's okay that we aren't perfect, that we are not perfect, too. And now we can all relax together in our own human imperfection. I need to print that out and frame it. Can you love, I... I feel so moved by that. I am forgiven in that. Y'all, that's grace right there. If we're wondering what, like... That, that is it. Like, that is, yes, I feel very forgiven. I watched AOC on her Insta story the other day. She was <laughs> watering plants and talking about the new green I deal. know. And I just, and her, um, the baseline of what she was saying was when, in our culture, we've decided that when you don't know something, you're ignorant. And not knowing something isn't, want, 
isn't what makes you ignorant. Ignorance comes from not wanting to know something. Mm -hmm. And so she was talking about, like, having not had enough of an agricultural background when she built the original New Green Deal. And so then they had to bring in, uh, they brought in some really, like, progressive forward-thinking farmers and they said listen like how can we get you on board with this they ended up coming with this awesome plan for soil rejuvenation actually being the thing to reduce carbon in the air rather than investing all this money in technology like actually dirt can do it for us and Mm -hmm. so she got all these really awesome ideas from farmers (laughs) because she was open to not knowing something yeah. And like we are so we are so defensive. We are so defensive and I have a, somebody in my life who is so defensive and I often fr- I frustratingly cannot get through to them and I just I want this for them and I also know that I need this for me. It is okay not to be perfect and that when I become defensive and become sta- like that's me being stagnated. Yeah. It, one day we'll have to do a, an episode on this like concept called conscious communication which is basically like mm, so what conscious great. Yeah, I know. What conscious communication would look like would instead of saying, um, instead of saying, like, um, I don't know, what's something that I might be defensive about? Like, um, Mark might say, like, what do you have planned for dinner? And because I'm already feeling anxious about dinner, I might say to him, like, I don't really know, Mark. If you really want to know what's up for dinner, why don't you plan the dinners, right? That's a defensive response that is not outside of my wheelhouse to say. So in in con- conscious communication, instead of just saying, instead of just responding the right way, you say, you pause and you say, whew, when you just asked me that question, I felt super pressured. And I know that you're not pressuring me, but I just, like, I need you to know that that's how I'm feeling right now. So I'm going to answer that question. But what can we do about both dinner and the fact that, like, I feel really pressured right now? Um, mm. So it's about owning your – it's about owning what's going on inside of you, explaining what's happening, right? Like, oh, I'm getting worked up right now because it's reminding me of this, right? Um, it's about that. Yeah, it's about talking through what's happening in your process with your partner. So – and to me, it's just like, oof, the pinnacle of intimacy, and I need to practice it, and I really want – like, I want Mark and I to work on bringing that into our marriage too so that, like, when we're talking about things, we can explain, like, this is what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, I feel like I'm really excited to do more research on that, both for myself and to bring into this. Yeah, I can talk about strategies for conscious communication. Look out for our conscious communication episode coming soon. Yeah. Um, Katie, what are you recommending this week? So I am, gosh, I feel like I always am, like, so good on the recommendations, but um, one of the things that I am going (laughs) to recommend is if you You just have great taste. I know, I know, but this week I'm not, like, yeah, I'm really excited about my taste. This week, though, I'm not, my taste is, I just haven't been thinking about things that I like this week. I haven't, I've been doing a lot of just surviving the past yeah. 10 mm-hmm. days. Yes, you And, have. like, i actually been doing a lot of, like, holding the line so that I don't devolve into, like, emotional turmoil. Um, so that has left little room for anything other than just kind of, like, steadying myself. Um, but I will say the thing that has helped me to steady myself the most over the last 10 days has been keeping up with my houseplants. And I am recommending yeah. if you are looking for a really um, – I think it's affordable the way that I've been doing it. Granted, I'm comparing it to my baseline hobby from my childhood, which was horseback riding. Yeah. So um, 
It's extremely affordable compared to horseback riding, but I don't know. I can't say it's affordable for everyone. I don't know what your standards are. But it's a relatively affordable way to get your hands into some dirt and pay attention to nature. And it is challenging. I'm going to say, like, getting houseplants and keeping some a little gardening stuff. Like, I've been calling it gardening because I am also, like, trying to cultivate some crops. Um my first time ever trying to grow my own vegetables from seed, which is going to, I'm really excited about it, but it is a challenging experience, but it is really learnable. It's like running in that way, but where it's really, really hard and each individual plant is hard to care for, but you get so much, you learn and you get better. And at some point I've been, I've been keeping plants for two years now and for the first time, I'm really getting good at it. Like I'm starting to be able to grow things and like I'm, it is the most rewarding feeling on a level that is um, like meaning making, honestly. Like it is making me feel like I'm, it's like connected me to something bigger than myself. And so anyway, it's also giving Mark and I something really fun to talk about because he is it's my, it's certainly my hobby, but he's really interested in it. He's curious about it and he wants to know and learn and he supports it as something healthy because he sees that I'm keeping up with it. So, um, I, I recommend, um, especially if you're, I'm going to recommend this if you're going through a depression or a funk, I recommend getting some houseplants Mm -hmm. and trying to, um, trying to get to know them and learn about them and care for them. Um, as long as you're forgiving of yourself, there you are going to make mistakes, but it's a gentle mistake that you can learn from. And some plants are extremely forgiving. So um, I, I really, really, really recommend it. That's my, that's my uh, I have I have two, uh, two add-ons to that. The first is just follow AOC on Instagram because she's always tending her plants, and I find that – I'm not a green thumb person myself, but I do find it very soothing to watch other people care for their plants. Well, and I'll tell you really, really quick. I used to get my, I used to have this feeling of weird dread on the way home from work and uh, between work and home on my way home in the afternoon. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do this afternoon. Like, I didn't know what, how to fill my afternoon. It was an anxious feeling. Um, And now I and as soon as I got home and got into stuff, it would go away. But now, when I get home, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing my plants immediately because I want to see what they've been doing for eight hours in the sun. You know? Yeah, like, I just love yeah. it. <laughs> I, I love that, too. Also, my mom, when she uh, was dealing with with uh, patients who have had serious life events, addictions, uh, you know, in some cases, suicide attempts, she would always talk to tell her patients, uh, you need to get a house plant mm-hmm. and when you've kept that house plant alive for a year then you could get a pet and when you keep that pet like alive and healthy for you know a year or two then you can date then then you can date and yep. that's how like that's it's all like it's it's all about cultivation and whatever it kind is. of relationship patience yeah just having that for another living thing I think. Ooh, i am going to really meditate on the similarities and differences in my relationship to my plants, my dog, and my husband. Ooh, <laughs> I like this. I like that, that a lot. Some I see a triple Venn diagram coming up. Oh, girl, I am going to get some real big thinking going on tonight. Most things are going to be in the middle. What do you do for your plants that you wouldn't do for Mark or Millie? 
I don't know, but I'll tell you something that I do for Mark and Millie that I think is important for my plants. I speak to them kindly. I was going to say talking to your plants. Yep. As soon as I moved my plants out of my office where I used to be working with um, people who um, did really bad things to vulnerable people, my plants started growing better. (laughs) I'm telling you. That's a science experiment waiting to happen. I know. I know. My poor philodendron was so depressed. One of my fifth graders did come up with that when we were coming up with uh, testable questions. She was like, I could test how talking to my plants would affect their growth. Was there was like, absolutely could there test. was a, there was like a, an NPR article not too long ago yeah. about like a Japanese experiment where they like put a bunch of plants in one room and berated them and then put another plant in the other room Aww. and complimented them and the ones died. <laughs> oh my god. I know. It just makes oh. me feel like it makes me feel like God is like you stupid humans are being gonna... terrible to the creatures that I created. I got to tell my fifth graders. I know. Okay. All right, what are you um, recommending? My recommendation is um a masterpiece theater on PBS. So you can get it on the PBS Classic app. Classic you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm Laura uh, Linney. I'm Laura Well, wait, no, Laura Linney's still fine. Who's the one we're mad at? I don't remember. Aunt Becky. I'm, oh, yeah, um, I'm over being mad at people right now, so. All right, well, um, the, so this, this is a series called Mrs. Wilson. It's a three-episode miniseries, or miniseries, as my friend's grandmother used to call them. Miniseries. Um, miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's great. It is great. Okay, so this story is fascinating. It's compelling. So the main character, the actress Ruth Wilson, plays her real-life grandmother, and, um, so the story, and I'm not spoiling anything by telling you this much, the story opens with uh, this couple and the man dies. And so the woman then finds out, like this uncovers the truth, mysterious, uh, about his like secret life um, after his death. And this actress that plays the role of Mrs. Wilson is actually the real life granddaughter of the real Mrs. Wilson. Mm. And so... The story is fascinating. You, as a psych, as a person interested in psychology, is gonna you would love it. It is. Yeah. I, I, their twists and turns and just, it's it's British, so it's quiet. Um, yeah. It's not. It's. I I really truly enjoyed it. It's set. Um, they have flashbacks in the '40s, but most of it is set in the early '60s. The costumes and the set are unbelievably like I watched with my mom and she was like this is exact I can see this I can see this like this all it seems so real so tangible oh um, I'm really excited yeah it's it was really truly wonderful and it's only three episodes so you don't have to feel too over intimidated intimidated by it yeah 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 Ooh, only three episodes like actually is really um helps me feel like I want to watch it even more yeah absolutely good, <laughs> good you recommend ten seasons of something and then you're like well but yeah, right. Well, I mean, and I can recommend, um, y'all, Lauren's going to watch Game of Thrones for the first and probably only time this weekend, and she mm-hmm. might not survive because it's mm-hmm. way too violent for her sensibilities. So she's going to Hey, I like have, a I've watched many an episode. I watched, like, a good part of the first season of Game of Thrones. I feel so terrible that you had to watch it, Lauren. That must have been terrible for you. You hate well, that I, stuff. I, yeah, it wasn't for me. But you know yeah. what? It is for some people, and I will bring a book. Yeah, good for you. Well, you can just snuggle with us. You'll probably be asleep, let's be real, because it's going to start at 9 and you're a teacher, so. Good Lord. Actually, I think it actually even, yeah, it starts at 9, so. You'll 9 at night? 9 in the evening. I'm channeling my inner Liz Levin, and I am offended. <laughs> um, ain't no party like a Lauren Aversa party, because a Lauren Aversa party is asleep, so. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. All right. 
Is uh, that it? I think that's it. I think we spoused. Do, all right. I think we spoused. Oh, don't forget to ask us questions and love on us at Twitter or Instagram at how do I spouse or email us at, at how do I spouse at gmail.com. Oops, I put that first at in the wrong place, but you guys know how email works. So. You guys know how the internet works. Okay, thank you. Love all right, you, love Lauren. you. Bye. Bye.